Welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alexander, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? It's 499-9526. And just in case you happen to be outside of our local calling area, you can always add a 225 on the front of there. That'll get you from anywhere in the continental United States to us. That is correct. And if you happen to be listening on, let's say, <laughs> iHeartRadio or maybe www.jbo.com, something okay. like that happen to be listening to us live but from outside here we really appreciate hearing from us sure just well, go ahead and give us a call and whoever calls from the furthest distance if you'll give the producer your name and address we'll get an agco t-shirt sent out to you usps first thing monday morning that's right of course can't guarantee you're gonna get it first thing with the christmas packaging well now it may be after first of the year <laughs> before you get it but it will go out monday morning that's right it will get into the system at least yeah put you it that go. way well, that's one of the things that I've noticed this time of year is that delivery of stuff really backs up, and we see it a lot in parts of the shop. We don't get the stuff overnight like we traditionally do. Right. A lot of vendors aren't keeping a whole lot of stock right now because it's the end of the year. That's right. And, and particularly in Louisiana, there's a tax on inventory, which I've always thought was very, very short-sighted of our leaders. But <laughs> hey, what, what you going to do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you against to, it, they you pay know? property tax on inventory, so people tend to sell their inventory down towards the end of the year because that's what it's accounted for. Correct. And the combination of inventories being reduced and shipping being less efficient than normal it, really, really creates a lot of dilemmas for trying to get things done at the end of the year. It, that's for a fact. So. There you go. Anyway, let's see. We got a bunch of phone lines holding here. We got Glenn online. Good morning, Glenn. Good morning, Lewis. Good morning, Brian. How are you yes, doing? Yes, sir. Doing great, sir. Good morning. Happy December. Thank you, Thank sir. You. I was calling. I got a car here that I want to get your opinion on. It's kind of stumped me. I got a 92 Lexus LS400. Uh huh. It's got a runs along fine through town. You ride along on the highway, you go to tip in or just kind of go around someone, mm-hmm. not full throttle. Full throttle is fine, but you got to miss. Okay. Okay. Now, I brought it in. You can duplicate it just with, you know, manipulating the throttle. Yes, sir. Going through each of the cylinders, put a test light on it. You can find number four and number six cylinder skipping. Okay. Anything over 2,000 RPM. Okay. Are you certain that it is those two cylinders that are causing the problem? Yeah. Yeah, they're both on the common coil. Okay. On the driver's side. Okay. I, I initially stopped distributing Captain Rotors. Yes, yeah, so, Well, how about swapping the call between that and, and two other cylinders? Yeah, I, I, I started with the cap. Uh-huh. I went, I went to the coal. I've done other wires. Mm-hmm. I've, you know, just trying to isolate. Yes, yeah, so move, nothing right, moves yeah. it off of those two cylinders? Yeah, trying to move trying to move it uh move the mist from those cylinders to a different one and have uh-huh. it, you know, have it follow it. Yeah, nothing yeah. does that? Well, the, that? The mist remains on those two cylinders? Yeah, it stays on those two cylinders. Okay. Next thing you need to do then, Glenn, is check the compression on those two cylinders at cranking. And right. if that's okay, you need to check what they call running compression on it. And basically, that's just where you put a compression gauge in, depress the button on the compression gauge, and actually crank the engine up and watch what the compression does doing that. Uh-huh. It's possible you could have a problem internal to the engine, like a valve that's sticking at speed, a weak valve spring, broken valve spring, something like that. And it would not misfire necessarily at an idle because the spring can keep up with it, but it could misfire under load like you're talking about. And right. ironically, sometimes when you really chow down on it, it's just the engine's making enough power where it just kind of covers it up. You know, the, the, it's going up and down so right. fast that really not as much of a difference. If you've effectively eliminated all of the ignition and all of that, that's coming down. Now, the only other possibility would be an injector 
that is either bad or binding or sticking or something like that. And again, it's a little more work, but you can also switch the injector cylinder to cylinder. You just have to right. be careful to bleed the fuel pressure off before you take the injectors out of the rail. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But that um, is, I mean, I wouldn't go changing injectors because no. they're extremely expensive, but right. take those two injectors, move them to two other cylinders, see if the misfire moves, then you know, then you can change those two injectors. But it could okay. be something like that as well. But I would probably try the compression test first because it's easier to move in the injectors. Not any more likely, but it's just a whole lot easier. And if you got and low compression in those two cylinders, or if you have low compression in one of the two cylinders, it is possible if they fire sequentially in, in the firing order that right. a misfire on one can actually bring on a misfire on the other, even though it's no right. problem in the second. Right. And that was what I was – I'm looking for commonality in, the, in those two and – Mm -hmm. and everything and and it's just you know it's kind of got me stumped I'm yeah not... yeah it can be very difficult particularly if you have no type of service equipment where you can go in and really get a good picture of what's going on but i think uh, in fact go to my website and there's an article on testing compression read that article before you do it because it may give you some uh -huh. ideas and a good compression test may give you a lot more insight into what's going on but just remember glenn check the firing order because sometimes if they fire sequentially it may be that one cylinder is merely affecting the other cylinder and not that there is two misfires. I've been fooled right. by that before. Right. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate it. And, okay. uh, yeah, I found you guys on Stitcher. I'm, I'm listening to you up by Norfolk, Virginia. Oh, wow. well, great. Hey, so. well, I'll tell you what, if you want to hold on and give the producer your name and address and all that, when we get off air, I'll get a, a code T-shirt sent out to you. Good deal. Well, okay. y'all take care, and Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. All right, Glenn. Thank, thank you, you, you man. Bye-bye. All right, thank you. Great show. Uh -huh. Thank you. We got Don online. Good morning, Don. Yes, good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Doing great, Doing sir. Great. Good, good. Hey, I have a question. I have a 2006 Saturn Ion. Uh-huh. It's uh, certainly got uh, 83,000 miles on it. Okay. And probably in a year ago, I had a serpentine belt replaced on it. Yes, sir. Uh, again, this is a tip from the show. And uh, actually, another tip from the show, I had the battery replaced this past fall. Okay, good deal. So everything's good. My question is, I was listening to the podcast again. The other day, and I'm wondering, uh, should I have them check out the alternator again just due to the age and mileage on the vehicle or not a big deal? Don, I don't normally replace alternators based on maintenance just because sometimes they last the life of the car. The other ones do go out, but there's really no preemptive check or anything you can do other than what you've done, which is change the serpentine belt. What makes a lot of alternators go out, believe it or not, is that people will run the serpentine belts until they're worn below discard. They'll start to slip, generate a lot of heat, and that makes the alternator go out. But there's certain parts that are maintenance items because it's less expensive to change them ahead of time, and there's other parts that I consider a repair. And I would consider the alternator a repair. In other words, I would wait until it actually fails before I would change it. Reason being, it's not a big deal to change when it does go out. It's probably not going to leave you stranded anywhere, and it's not going to cost any more to do it later. And there's a good chance it may actually last life for the car. All right, excellent. Uh, one more question, if you I bet. may. I, every once in a while, I would have the airbag light come on. Okay. It would come on, it used to be every few weeks and then every few months. Yep. The dealership at one point said they wanted to take the driver's seat out, strip it down, air it out, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. But it's been so intermittent. I'm, I haven't seen it really for several weeks now. Is there something that I should... I tell you what's, I tell you what's very, very common on that, Don. There's a part called an occupancy sensor in that driver, excuse me, passenger seat. And have a lot, a lot of trouble with that sensor and with the connections to the sensor. And what happens, particularly when the weather changes a little bit or the humidity is high or whatever, that connection will break. And when it does, the computer will pick it up so it's going to flag the light. As soon as it dries out a little bit or maybe somebody moves the seat around, it'll make contact and it'll go back out. Kind of the Dickens to find, you could try pulling the seat out, cleaning all the connections, tightening the connections, putting it back together. 
Now, if it's really intermittent, I don't know that I'd be overly concerned with it because the only thing that it means is that when the light is on, the airbag won't fire on that seat. And if that's not a big issue to you, if you wear your seatbelt and all that, it's not something that has to be fixed. It's going to be a little difficult to find. You need to catch it actually doing it. But that is what we see most of the time is either the sensor or the connection to the sensor is giving trouble. Okay, now was that on the driver's seat or the passenger, no, passenger seat? seat most of the time. Now, theoretically, a driver's seat could do the same thing, but just you can have them run the code for you, and that will tell you what it is. It's going to set a code. That code will stay in memory even if the light's off. So they will tell you which circuit is causing the problem. Okay, well, I appreciate that, gentlemen. Okay, Don, where are you calling from? Uh, Baltimore. All right. All right. Well, right. thanks for calling. Thank you, guys. All have right. a good weekend. Yeah, Don, thank, thank you. you, man. Bye-bye. 499-9526 number if you want to be part of the automotive hour two long distance calls right off the bat there, there you go well, i'd like to get some more that's right hey go ahead and give us calls 499-9526 we're gonna take a quick little break and be right back with more in the automotive hour i get your kicks on route 66 okay look you've been at the red box for 10 minutes and you've got about 30 movies yeah you roll in here with that car with the brakes screeching and the bald tires and then you ask to cut in line because you're in a hurry look it is 2012 and according to the mayan calendar the world ends on december 21st so i'm trying to watch all the movies i can before then so no car repairs either right who's got time for that unless you believe the world will end this year car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Automotive and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. So, no car maintenance? All movies till December 21st? Yep. I'm stocking up on all the classics, too. Gone with the Wind, Citizen Kane, Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Squeakwool. <laughs> I, I knew he was crazy. Yep. Want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Welcome back. Just join us at the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. We're going right back to our phone lines with Randy. Good morning, Randy. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. My dad's got a 2004 Dodge pickup with, I guess, it's equivalent to a 360 motor. Okay. It runs great until he pulls up to a stop sign or a red light, mm -hmm. and it just all but dies. Okay, uh-huh. It's like it's not getting fuel or... Yeah, probably not that, Randy. Most of the time, and I'd have to see this one to tell you for absolutely certain, but most of the time it's one of two things. It's either going to be what they call the idle control servo, which is a fairly simple fix. It's a little cylindrical mechanism on top of the throttle body that actually speeds the idle up and down when you come to an idle. You can tell that by taking something like a screwdriver handle and with it dying and bogging down, just taking wrap it with that handle and see if it starts to idle. If that's not it, the second thing is what they call a throttle position sensor, and that's a very common issue on that one as well, and it will definitely interfere with the idle because the, they call it a TPS. TPS is one of the main inputs to idle. It tells it what position the throttle blade is in, and okay. when it loses sight of that, then the computer gets confused and it really doesn't know where to set the idle. One thing it might do, too, if it is a TPS, not all of them, but a lot of them, it'll kind of start surging up and down at idle. It won't hold a steady idle. It may surge up and then surge back down, surge up and surge down as a computer hunts for the idle. doesn't always do that, but sometimes it does that. But I can tell you on idle problems on Dodges, it's almost always one of those two items. Now, of course, there are other things that can do it. You know, you can have something weird like a vacuum leak and all that. But 
I got to say probably 85% of the time we find that problem on one of those two items. Okay, so it was the throttle position sensor? Throttle position sensor or the idle control servo. Okay. And both of them are relatively, when I say relatively inexpensive, probably $100 parts and, you know, half hour, 45 minutes change. Okay. All righty. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Uh Thank you. All right, 499-9526, number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would love to have you. Back to our phone line with Dave. Good morning, Dave. Yeah, Lewis. Yes, sir. I got an 07 Chrysler uh, Sebring with about 80,000 miles. Okay. And my heater cuts out. When the car's idling, mm-hmm. I don't get any hot air. The minute I give it a little throttle up to about 1,500, uh-huh. I'll start feeling hot air again. Okay, well, let me ask you this, Dave. When you say you're not getting hot air, does the fan quit blowing or does it keep blowing and it blows cold? keeps blowing, but it's cold. Okay, so you're just losing heat. I'm losing heat unless I give it gas. Okay. That's not a common problem, Dave. The I guess the first thing I'd want to see is make sure that the thermostat and all that is operating properly because the water pump has to push the coolant through the heater. And if you've got something like a thermostat that's sticking open, it could be circulating all of the hot water through the radiator, and they are not any going back to the heater core. That is one possibility. Now, well, when I rev it up, it's just putting more through the puts heater Puts more core. through it, right. It creates right. more pressure because the pump's turning faster, so now it can keep up with it. You could kind of tell that, Dave, by going out, and there's two hoses, two heater hoses. Just kind of put your hand at an idle, you know, with it not working. Put your hand on both those hoses, and they, one of them should be real hot, almost too hot to touch, and the other one ought to be almost as hot. If those hoses are relatively cool, then try speeding it up, and if those hoses start getting hot, then that is most likely going to be the case. Now, if that's not the case, there is actually a servo under there that controls the heat to the heater core, and what it does, hot water always circulates through the heater core, but there's a door under the dash that moves back and forth that controls whether the fan blows through the heater core or through the evaporator core. It's possible that that could be the cause of it, but I just don't know what revving the engine up would have to do with that. doesn't seem like it would affect that, although I guess anything is possible, but I would check first off and make sure we got adequate water flow. I've even seen a weird case where we had a water pump one time where the impeller was loose on the shaft of the water pump, and it did that. What it would do is it would slip at an idle, and it just didn't push enough water through the heater core, and it wouldn't heat the car. When you rev it up, it would start to spin with it, and it would go ahead and do it. But that's almost always going to be some kind of a water flow issue. And, of course, accelerating or giving it more gas just makes the water travel faster. I wouldn't be surprised, but that in the summertime, the hot summer, you may end up with an overheating problem. So, you know, right now it's just cool enough out where it's not overheating. But well, check, it's always been slow to warm up. Mm-hmm. Check that thermostat. Make sure the thermostat's not stuck open. And okay. if that is the case, one benefit when you get it fixed is you can notice your gas mileage is going to go up a good bit. All right. All righty. Okay, thank you. Okay, Lord. Dave. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526. number if you want to be part of the automotive. I get a lot of really good calls today. I'm telling you. And, you know, with that thermostat, you don't want to go to a big box store and get a cheap thermostat. Right. You want a Chrysler thermostat. Right. I would we, go back to the Chrysler dealer if it were me. We have seen a bucket full of those cheap thermostats cause more problems than the original one did well, when it was malfunctioning. That's right. And, really, I was talking to a gentleman I guess Friday, and he's in the quality management business, and so he was interested in this sort of thing. And I was telling him we inspect the parts that come in to the degree that we can. And if you start inspecting incoming parts, what you're going to find is that with OEM parts, original equipment manufacturer, which is the cream of the crop, Uh 
probably 10 to 15 percent of them don't even meet their specs right out the box right it's all made offshore yeah and on the aftermarket stuff i would say it's closer to 60 to 70 percent of them don't meet their specs right out of the box right don't don't work right out the box yeah absolute trash we took some wheel cylinders one time and the bore was supposed to be one inch plus or minus one thousand now Uh that's their spec the first one we checked was 1.006 that's 500 percent out of their specs right out of the box Mm -hmm. and the surface finish was supposed to be 80 micro inches and it was about 160 so more than double the amount off and this is a quality brand name replacement part supposedly supposedly and when you call the companies and mention this well you know we yeah well uh, uh, yeah well why are you checking that well because i want it to meet at least meet your specs (laughs) jeez (laughs) yeah but well there's a lot of those companies now are selling on name alone that's right you know a name used to carry a good product Mm -hmm. now the product has moved offshore but the name is still there and we see it every day. Well, and even the name brands that do have some quality parts, many, many cases also have second lines. Correct. A good example of that is AC Delco. AC Delco has their OE line, which is the original equipment part as they produce for General Motors. Uh-huh. And they have what they call their professional line, which is nothing but an aftermarket part thrown in a Delco box. We've actually seen them double boxed. Oh, yeah. They come in offshore in a different box and it just slides inside the delco box yeah lid goes on it with a part number and off it goes well i had a fellow the other day was telling me he's buying ac delco parts at a discounted price compared to the local dealership he's buying them on the internet i said well do you realize there are two different lines of ac delco parts well no i didn't i said well and and you've got to be almost a professional to know the difference you got to look up the part number and then look up and see if it's professional line or if it's actually correct the OE line, they've got like an OE water pump, maybe $250, and the, the professional cheap pumps. knockoff pump right. might be $80. Right. Both of them AC Delco water pumps for this application. So it's very, very, very misleading from my perspective if you're going to stand for something and people are going to be able to trust the name. But what Delco has come to realize is that, hey, that name is going to sell it, and there's lots of cheap parts out there. We can't compete with them with our quality parts, so we'll buy some junk from China and throw in this box and put that name on it. Exactly. And somebody's going to buy it. A lot of people are going to buy it. A lot of people are going to buy it. Yeah, that's right. And inevitably, I think it will destroy the company because what people are going to say is, hey, AC Delco parts are junk. That's right. Because they're not going to say, well, this part is better and this part is not. Why can I buy a Delco pump for 80 bucks and then there's one for 250 bucks? That's right. So. And what's the difference? Exactly. And unfortunately, when you are in the buying stage, particularly the average do-it-yourselfer who maybe changes one or two water pumps in their lifetime. Correct. It's impossible for them to see down the road all the ramifications that this cheap pump is going to cause because they've just never been through this before. And they say, well, yeah, here's, here's an AC Delco pump for 80 bucks. Wow, what a deal, man. So they slap it on. Well, what happens is that three months later it's leaking. It leaks all over the timing belt or whatever. So now they've got a much bigger repair. They've got to redo the entire job. They're stranded somewhere, maybe have overheated engine, blow a head gasket or whatever, all on account of this junk part. But it is impossible for them to see it as opposed to someone who does this probably 5, 10, 15 times a week. Correct. And we see it all day long. Oh, so yeah. Most of the month. I already know how this race go in. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to sit and watch it. <laughs> that's it. But the guy was saying, why would I pay more? Well, because it's a whole lot cheaper. Exactly. And that's hard for them to understand, not having the experience that somebody like you or I would have. Hey, we're going to take another quick little break and be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. 
Clint, what's with the huge crate? My 120-inch Platinum 3D TV. Splurging, huh? We're putting it all on the credit card, and since the Mayan calendar predicts the world ending December 21st, I'll never have to pay it back. That would explain the giraffe and the elephant in your backyard. Have you thought about fixing your car, buddy? Your old one is in pretty bad shape. Leaking oil, screeching brakes... My car can make it to December. Plus, I need money to complete my set of life-size Star Wars action figures. Yoda is an expensive one, he is. Unless you believe the world will end this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Automotive and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. You know, if your car won't run, you can always ride your elephant. Great idea. Let me Google elephant license. Uh, Okay, you know I was joking, right? Want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Hey, welcome back. If you just joined us, it's the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldersan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between tools, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us a call? It's 499-9526. Of course, 225 in front of that will get you to us from anywhere in the continental United States. And we really appreciate hearing from you. If you're out listening to us on iHeart or maybe sure. on the Internet in some manner or fashion. Give us a call. We'd be glad to talk to you. That's right. Tell us how things are in your area. There you go. Probably cold. <laughs> <laughs> Probably colder than it is here anyway. Yeah, you know? that's for a fact. Yeah, it's a little chilly out there. It must be, what, a nah. crisp 70, 70 degrees? Yeah, 70 degrees. <laughs> Beautiful, sunshiny day. Of course, that's just life in South Louisiana, man. That's it. Tomorrow will be Rainy and 30. You know, That's right. right. Well, you know. Next day. You know, well, you never know. What you going to do, man? But for the most part, weather is very, very nice here. Oh, yeah. Three really, really hot, unbearable months during the summer. That June, July, and August is kind of a killer. But other than that, it's pretty darn nice most of the year round. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a little poking on the folks over there. You know, we're having to deal with shoveling snow and what have you. Well, I'm sure glad I ain't got to shovel snow. <laughs> it's very, very pretty to look at. It's it sure fun is. to play in. And Elaine and I generally go up that way just about every winter for our winter vacation. This right. year, we're not. We're actually going down to the Caribbean do a little scuba diving. But cool. Nice and warm. There you go. <laughs> But I do enjoy the north in the, in the wintertime. Very, very, very nice. Of course, I don't have to live there. That's it. It's <laughs> nice to visit, but I wouldn't want to Very nice there, huh? to visit and play around in the snow, but it's not something I have to do on a daily basis. I hear you. Hey, just in case you have a question that occurred to you during the week or you don't care to call in or whatever, you can always go to our website. That's right. You can get your questions answered that way 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The website is www.agcoauto.com. You take the acronyms Altazan's Garage Company. That is A G C O A U T O dot com. Contact bar on every page. You can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night, and he'll get you an answer back within 24 hours. That's right. And put another little feature on this morning. If you go to our detailed topics, you're going to notice over on the right hand upper corner a picture of a little chain, and that is a link generator that we've been able to put on. What the link generator does, a lot of times people in forums will quote our site uh-huh. as you know information. In other words, they may say, oh, I heard about uh, why these Chevrolets are losing coolant and you can't find the leak. Correct. And they want to link back to the article. And sometimes that can be difficult. Some forums don't allow an HTML link. They only allow a BB code link. And some don't allow this and so on and so forth. Well, if you push that little link button, what it will do is it will bring up three different types of links. One is just a plain direct link. 
another is an HTML link, and another is a BB code link. And you can just cut and paste those, and you can put them in your forum, hit the button, and it'll post it in there for you. And it just gives you an easier way to provide a link to our articles. Okay. And that way, if you do want to do that, that's the, the easiest way, because a lot of times people are having trouble trying to link to them. And I notice that when I go to our stats on our site a lot of links were going to just weird places and sometimes i'd follow them back and it was not giving the information that folks needed when they would click on it for instance there was a feature where you could print an article and a lot of people would copy the print link well when you would click on it in a forum it would try to print it which was inconvenient so anyway i'm hoping that this will make it a lot easier to link to our site if you need to but you'll notice it'd be on the top right hand corner of every article like it's just a little oval red button with a picture of a chain on it it says link to this article you click that and it'll bring up several examples of different links and you can copy them and paste them any way you want so it may make it a whole lot easier great way to get a lot of great information out that's right it helps to spread the information out a little bit easier maybe and while you're in there pop around see what you think put a detailed topic in there this morning on coming tough times and this is not a doom and gloom article like you might think but what it is i think that most experts agree that things we're probably in for some tough times worldwide uh-huh. and in the united states as well and this just gives you some ways to cut expenses on automobiles and it may be some things you already knew and hadn't thought about it may be some things you'd never thought about but it's a real good article that everyone needs to read and It'll give you ways that you can save some significant amounts of money. Also shows you some ways to save save money on gasoline uh, usage and so on and so forth as that. So just a real good little article on how to deal with tough times. I think that things are probably going to get worse before they get better. Right. And I think the standard of living of a lot of folks is has changed in and the last few years. It's still changing. And is continuing to change. So when you need to start making changes and making cuts, there are ways you can do it which will help you, and there are ways you can do it that can hurt you. Exactly. And what a lot of folks have done is they say, well, you know, times are getting tough, so one way I can save is by not maintaining my car. Well, that is absolutely 180 degrees from where you need to be. If you look at the real shrewd money people, one thing they always do in hard times is they double up on maintenance. Right. Simply because they can't afford breakdowns and they can't afford to replace equipment. You look at your Disney's and such as that, and when the parks start to fall off in attendance, the first thing they do is get in and start maintaining their equipment because they don't want to have to replace stuff. Right. But the average person says, well, you know, I really can't afford that transmission service. Okay, but can you afford a new transmission or can you afford a new car? Exactly. So you have to look at it in a broader perspective, and there are ways that you can make some significant cuts to your automotive budget. You know, the largest expense that most people have is buying a car, actually purchasing the car. The amount we spend on repairs is relatively small by comparison, particularly when you consider today a cheap, cheap discount car is probably close to $20,000. Right. And by the time you put tax title, license, insurance, and all that, you can, that's right. That is a huge amount. If you want anything remotely nice, you're going to be up in the $40,000, $50,000 range real quick. Even used cars, ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 for almost anything, 5000 will buy you a beater with 200,000 miles on it. Right. So the cost of transportation is fairly significant. And I was talking earlier this morning to a fella and I said, you know, if there was a dollar slot on your car where you had to put a dollar in every time you got in there and started it, 
you would understand a little better that there is a cost involved every time you use your car. And that's how we have to think about this is that there is a cost involved, whether it's buying a new car and paying all the costs up front and driving a while without doing anything, or it's continuing to put money into an older car to keep it running and maintain it. There is a cost. It's just a matter of minimizing that cost. And there's some pretty good ways you can do that by reading this article. It'll save you a whole lot of money. Maybe take some of that money, pay down some debt, maybe pay down your house note and get right. your house paid for. Maybe just take a vacation, <laughs> get a break, <laughs> get away from it all. Who knows? But there are lots of things you could be spending money on that's a whole lot better than just buying cars and replacing cars and repairing cars. And right. There are ways that you can save that. That's what this article is all about. And tons of other good articles on there. Of course, we have a newsletter coming out at the 1st of next month. Uh So if you'd like to receive that, you registered for it. Uh, All you do is type in your email address, hit the button, and it's going to send the newsletter to you every quarter. And when you get tired of receiving it, you just hit the unsubscribe button, and that's the end of it. You won't get it again. You you won't get anything from us you didn't request. That is right. We don't send out advertising. We don't send out surveys. We don't send out a bunch of stuff to bug people. And that seems to be the the new and upcoming thing. Oh, yeah. You know, go paperless. Give us your email address. Yeah. Well, why would I want to get more junk than I've got now? (laughs) And, you know, I have to go through a number of emails every single day, and I, at one time, was getting so much spam that I couldn't even find the emails and much less reply to all of them. So we've implemented a system that now our email address is pretty much encrypted and it changes daily. So when you send an email to me from the contact form, it will get to me. But if you try to reply to an old form, you're just going to get an automated reply back telling you that you you can't do that. Correct. And the reason we had to go to that is because we're getting so much spam in the mail. So I'm very sensitive to that, and I never try to contribute to it by sending other people spam. Exactly. And so that is one reason you will never get any kind of email from us that you don't actually – have it requested. Request for. If you send me a question, you're going to get an answer, and then that's the end of it. You're not going to hear back from me again until you send another question in. And if you want to get a newsletter, that's great. Then you can subscribe to it, and you're going to get that. And when you're tired of it, you hit the button, and you won't get it anymore. So it's not something that we're going to sit there and try to spam you or sell you email address or try to market to you. Any exactly. Of that. I've always felt that was really, really poor marketing. Yeah, it, it really is. People send me unsolicited email. I absolutely guarantee you I'm not doing business with you. So. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I'm <laughs> Just, not even going to look at it. That's right. Something to think about. That. In fact, you're going on my do not contact list. <laughs> if uh, I need something, I'm going yeah, around. I'm going, going somewhere it. else. Exactly. That's right. Hey, we're going to take one more quick little break, but we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Hey, Clint, what's that? Take a look. It's my bucket list of things to do before the world ends. Okay. According to the Mayan calendar, the world goes kaput on December 21st, 2012. I got lots to do, neighbor. Uh, bog snorkeling? Punch a whale? Compete in the World Toe Wrestling Championship? I see Meet Julia Roberts is scratched off. Yeah, got her autograph, too. Really? Well, it's on the restraining order. Hey, shouldn't repair my car be on the list? What? Your, your brakes, they're constantly squealing, it shimmies and shakes and leaking oil all over I the think b- I can make it to December. Unless you believe the world will end this year, car maintenance and repair is not something to put off. Come to Agco Automotive and let us show you how we can keep your car in tip-top shape and operating at the lowest overall cost. Hey, um, isn't this one here illegal? Not in Tijuana, my friend. Want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Hey, 
Welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldersand, president of Agco Automotive. We've got Mr. Brian Terry, our lead tech from Agco, right here by the side. Between two of us, I believe we can ask just about any question you might have. Just give us a call. That's right. Got plenty of time left. Still got another 10, 15 minutes. So yeah. Plenty of time to spend with you. All our lines are wide open, so we'll give you a good, good thorough answer. There you go. <laughs> and we will be here next week, but after that, we will be out for the two consecutive weeks after that right so, uh, and there will be two shows they will be recorded that's right we've got one coming up the week after christmas and it will be a show from back i think around 2004 okay. uh, harvey and i did and it is a christmas show and the one after that will be a much newer show it's one that mr mike viator and i did together and it'll be coming up after new year's day so great It'll be new information to most of the people who have not been listening for years and years and years. Of course, and if you have been listening for years and years, it'll be a nice little refresher. That's right, a little refresher course. There, there. you go. <laughs> <laughs> You'll really like it. Just give us a call. It's 499-9526. Of course, you happen to be outside of our call area. Just add a 225, and that'll get you to us from wherever you might happen to be. A little early, we were talking about parts and parts quality. I know sometimes I sound like a broken record, but I just can't emphasize this enough because it's getting people into so many problems nowadays. Very, very, very often, folks will come in, and they're getting, a say, a general inspection on their automobile. Uh-huh. And they'll make comment like, man, I've spent a ton on this car, and I keep having problems. I just want to know what's wrong with it. We'll go in and start checking it, and first thing we notice is that, yes, a lot of work has been done, but almost all of the work is with aftermarket parts, and a tremendous amount of the problems they're having are direct results of that. Exactly. That happens every day, five days a week, months out of the year. Oh, yeah. Every day we see that kind of thing. Well, one of the most common is like with brakes. Folks will come in and say, man, my car shakes when I hit the brakes. It's grinding. It's groaning. It's doing I've, this. And I've replaced pads, rotors, calipers, hoses. You know, They've replaced everything under there right. trying to cure this problem. Not realizing that the parts they were putting back on is causing the problem. Right. The parts are actually worse probably than the ones they took off. Many cases, they're putting aftermarket brake pads. Many, many times we've noticed the, the factory shims that go behind the pads that actually quiet everything down. They're gone. They, sure. Those hit the trash can with the first set of pads. And those are expensive to replace. They can cost almost as much as a set of brake pads. So now what we have to do is strip off everything that's been done. Generally, the rotors are warped and right. eaten up. So now we're into a new set of rotors a new set of pads, a set of factory shims. And there's basically just put it all back the way the engineer designed the car. And now the brakes are quiet. It stops good. It's smooth. And they don't have any more problems. But they had spent a great deal of money, and it's all basically for naught. It's all wasted because now it's all got to be redone. Exactly. So, hey, we're going back to our phone lines. Wallace, good morning, Wallace. Good morning, Lewis. Yes, sir. i got a question for you where I've been looking around at uh, new and used cars. Okay. And something I've kind of stumbled over is like one of the manufacturers now is giving away with you two years free service mm -hmm. and i was asking them well what does that really entail and it ended up that they don't change the oil until ten thousand miles yes sir and they said well it's synthetic it can go that long yeah and, right in the past <laughs> i bought a new car they wanted to change it one thousand the first time just to get rid of like you've pointed out filings and stuff like yes, that sir. from the manufacturing right. the process. break in the break in oil Right, exactly, and think that's wise to... Not at all, uh, Wallace. No. I've got actually an article coming up on my site in the next couple of weeks, and it'll be on a similar topic. And what is happening is that vehicle manufacturers are being rated by their maintenance schedule, and the less maintenance, the better the ratings that they get. 
So what they have done is they've eliminated a number of filters and stuff from the car, and they have extended all the service intervals way out because when they get their ratings, says, well, look, this thing doesn't need an oil change every 10,000 miles. Okay, well, that's great, except that at 100,000 miles, now the rear main seal's leaking, the valve cover gaskets are leaking, and the engine's knocking, and it doesn't have oil pressure. And, and that is what they want because then they can sell you another new car. Well, that's right. Right. That's mm -hmm. right. No, very, very, very unwise. In fact, miles are no indication whatever of an oil change need, and this article gets into that a great deal. Your driving conditions are what are going to dictate oil change need. So we got to really get away from the concept of every so many miles we change all. It depends on the way we drive. For instance, if I were a salesman, and let's say my territory was all in Louisiana, Texas, Mississippi, and Alabama, and I drove 350 to 400 miles a day, and my average trip was 300 miles, well, I could probably go five, 6,000 miles easily on all, and that all is going to still look almost like new. And not cause any problems down the road. Mm -hmm. But if I were like most people and my average trip is five, six miles at a time, and as I get up, I go to work five miles, I shut it off, it sits, I come home at night, I drive another four or five miles, and it sits, I can't go anywhere close to that. I need to be down around 3,000 miles because that all is going to be totally contaminating and damaging the engine by then. So... Even the manufacturers acknowledge that, but they do it in sort of an underhanded manner in that they say, well, under normal conditions, well, they consider normal conditions right. driving 300 miles at a time. Right. That's normal. not normal at all. That's ideal conditions. It, normal should be listed as severe. Right. And what they call severe is what most people would consider normal, which Correct. is trips under 10 miles, operating in 90 degree or hotter temperature, in high humidity conditions, and stop and go driving. Well, guess what? If you live in Baton Rouge, you're under those conditions, what, 11 months out of the year? Yeah, right, so, yeah. yeah, just forget all that mess, Wallace. I would basically look at a new or late model used car, whichever you might choose, and let your driving conditions dictate your oil change needs because that's going to be your overall lowest cost by a wide, wide measure. And one thing Dad always used to drown in my head is, ain't nothing free, boy. And right. that's true. When, when somebody says free to me or included or whatever, I really start looking around because I'm, I know I'm fixing to wait for another shoe to drop. Right. Well, there was another one I was looking at had a V6 on it. It was a Japanese car, and it's what I'm doing. I'll actually go online and look up things like, what does it take to change the spark plugs? Mm -hmm. And I found on YouTube, and they were saying estimated time to change the back spark plugs on that engine was six hours yeah, for a do-it-yourselfer. Yeah, there you I go. Because you had to take the intake manifold off and oh, everything right. else. Mm -hmm. and so they were recommending 120,000 miles on a spark plug. Change. Well, yeah, because yeah. they don't want you to know it's going to take sure. six hours right. to change them. But what happens when you go 120,000 miles on your spark plugs, it burns up all the calls right. at 200 bucks a piece. So, you know, you come in with a check engine light on, you got six fried calls, so now you're into a $2,000 repair to try to right. make somebody's maintenance schedule look better going in. Exactly. You know? mm -hmm. So, right. yeah, very wise, Wallace. I would definitely look at the overall picture. Right. All okay, right. thank you, Lewis. Thanks for calling, man. Bye-bye. Okay, Bye-bye. 499-9526 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we've got Keith online. Good morning, Keith. Hey, good morning. Tell you what, uh, what I, my take on oil is. I've got a 2011 Chevy truck, and I put it's got 40,000 miles on it already. Okay. Now, they recommend that you use, well, they tell you to use 020 Mobile One Oil. About, depending on where you go, $5 to $8 a quart oil filter, and it takes about eight quarts. Yeah, what right. kind of truck is it, Keith? Change, huh? What kind of truck is it? 2011 Chevrolet truck. Chevy truck? Figure V8. I don't think that takes 0W20. Huh? That's I, what it, uh, it does. What engine's in it? Bigger V8, not the, the six liter? 
Yeah. Uh, 6.4 now, I think. Or oh, whatever it is. It, it should take out. 5W30 Dexos oil. You're wrong. I don't believe. You're wrong. Check yeah. it. I will. It says zero. I got a, 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 a circular or something from uh-huh. it. It says zero. It used to be 5 to 20. Well, it's 5W30 Dexos is what all GM products after 11 take. Well, I That's got a, I got a, a letter stating that it, uh, it's been changed. It needs zero to 20. Wait, this is my take on it. They mm-hmm. say we can go. Now, this is 100 bucks for an oil change. And the, the manual says you can go 15,000 miles on an oil change. Well, you know, I've, even, I don't really think you can go that far. But anyway, this is what I do. I go 7,500 miles. By, by five, by four or five thousand miles, good old Chevy, they use a quart or two of oil. So I recharge it with two quarts of oil, which, mm-hmm. even if it goes over the dip a little a little bit, the dipstick a little bit. Yeah, it depends so on, Keith, how you're driving the truck. If you are driving a long distance, like you said, per use, then you could probably get yeah. by with that. If you're going, like most people, see, most people are not ever going to drive that long a distance at a time. They could drive four or five miles at a time. And you have a whole lot of built-up moisture condensation there. I would never, ever, ever go out that long. So, again, you miles are not, the, are not the factor. You can't look at miles. you got to look at the way you drive the truck. I really don't believe that most people drive just four or five miles to go to work anymore. Well, that's it's, fact. It's 10, 15, 20, 30 miles. Yeah. Well, that's and then not they're true. sitting in traffic for an hour, and the engine's heating up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think very rarely people can drive three or four miles to work. <laughs> well, Keith, let me tell you, I look at them every day, all day long, and that's what most people are going, at least most of our customers. I can't say the general population. Most of our customers are putting fairly low mileage on, and their average trip is about five miles. But what do you say if, you, if you're mostly highway like I am? Yes, you can, you can go a little longer. Yeah. You can go longer because what's happening is that the engine is getting hot and all of the moisture is boiling out of it and the PC system sucking out the moisture from the form of steam so the oil will go longer. Now, I would never, ever go 15,000 miles because well, all the additives well, have depleted by the end. Turning dark, I, I go ahead and change it anyway. But. Well, you can't really go by the right. color so much. You'd have to actually do an analysis on it to tell what's going on with the additives and all, but that would cost you more than all change. So it would be. Have y'all ever done an analysis on a mobile one at, say, 15,000 miles in, in, a, in a Chevrolet truck or something like that? Well, you couldn't say that. It'd have to be in every single truck that you're going to try to do it in because everyone's different. You know, you, you couldn't just say, well, I've done it on this truck, so it's okay for everybody. Because well, I wish it's somebody gonna... would do it because the engine has a. The engine computer says percentage of oil life uh-huh. left. That's correct. How does that thing measure oil life? It's just an algorithm. It's based on time. It's based on mileage. And it's based on engine load. And it gives you some kind of a calculation. But, again, it depends on the guy who programmed it. It has right. nothing to do. It's not checking the oil. I've seen those things go out a year uh-huh. before. It doesn't monitor internal engine No, no, no. It has no. no way to do that. No. It's just no. based on time and mileage. I took did the same thing with my truck. I changed the oil, and I didn't reset the indicator. Uh-huh. And it went out almost 9,000 miles before the light came on, said so change the oil. And that's with regular and oil I, in it. And I've changed it three times since then, just to see how far <laughs> it would go. Yeah. So, so it doesn't monitor the no. actual oil itself. No, no, absolutely not. It's looking at time, it's looking at miles, and it is looking at things like, it may look at the way you accelerate. You know, if you're accelerating real hard, it may kick a little bit more into the calculation. But again, it just depends on what the guy programmed in there. It doesn't monitor RPM versus, say, fuel use or the amount no. of fuel it takes no. to turn the engine over. No, sir. friction. Nope. That, uh, no. that is strictly there for your benefit. There's so much. There's so much information and misinformation. That's right. Exactly. That's exactly. And what happens, unfortunately, is by the time you figure out you'd have messed up putting a new motor in it, I can tell you I hadn't worked that many 11s yet because most of them don't have many miles, but on the 9s, 10s, 
we're putting yeah. engines in those trucks at around 110 to 120,000 miles yeah. on a fairly regular basis. They're coming in with no oil pressure. They're coming in knocking, and it's because of these extended oil changes. But the days of changing your oil every 25 or 3,000 miles, I mean, that's not necessary anymore. Well, it just depends. It depends on, depends on, on your driving style. Again, you can't make a blanket right. statement. Like it depends on the way you drive the car. But aren't the engines cleaner and different 350 Chevrolet's version? <laughs> engines no. have changed very, very, very little in the last several years. Other than just up. tweaking that and the other. No, that, man, you believe in all that hoopla. The engine's not any better. In fact, if anything, they're not built as well. Teamwork and stuff horrible. on them is real bad. Yeah. They got more coolant leaking into the oil than they've ever had. That kind of thinking is making me a rich man, I can tell you. We change more <laughs> motors now yep. than we've ever changed. I've been a mechanic for 46 years. I have changed more motors in the last five years than I did the whole 41st years of my career. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you'd be surprised. Daily basis. Many, if you come around the back of the shop before You'll they get see picked them stacked up, they up stack like up outside back the door. Here. Yeah, but come on, that's all Ford and Dodge engines. Yeah, oh, right. Okay. Yeah, you believe you, you that. I was say, keep thinking that. <laughs> Tell you what, hold on to my phone number, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> Thank y'all, boys. All Thank right, you. Keith. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right. Well, I tell you, we got time for one more call? Let's see. We Try can it real quick. Hey, Kevin, can you make it real quick? Hey, how's it going? Great, Good. man. Hey, I got a Suburban with 190,000 miles. Uh-huh. Uh, it's an 04. Uh-huh. At 90,000 miles, I had the transmission fluid drain. And, Replaced, and, yes, sir. And putting you this time, I want to get that done again. I want to drive this vehicle a little longer. Mm -hmm. Should I get the filter replaced also? Or Most just definitely, absolutely, yes, sir. Most definitely. Well, yeah, proper service will you'll be in great shape with a proper service. Yeah, I would like to have done that a lot sooner because the filter is the problem, not the fluid. The fluid is going to hold up fairly well, but the filter is going to restrict. And when the filter restricts, then it's going to start cutting the pressure to clutches, and that's when the transmission is going to fail. So I would definitely get a proper service where they drop the pan, replace the filter, replace the fluid. And, and right right now you actually have a chance to cut the old filter open and see what shape the transmission's in. Right. If you cut that filter open and it's full of metal and it's got a snap ring in it, then, then you, you know, know you're pretty close to the end and it's just too little too late. But, yeah, I'm not ever going to hurt it to go ahead and do a proper service. But, yeah, I'd be getting on that just as quick as I possibly can. And I tell you, we are just about totally out of time. That's it. They're fixing to throw us out of here. <laughs> and just to prevent any misinformation from getting out there, as soon as I got home after the radio show, I went straight to service information for GM and checked on the specification. 2011 model, 2012 model do still require 5W30 Dexos motor oil. So I'm not sure what Keith is talking about, but do not be fooled by what people might say. When you look around the internet and hear there, hear people talk, you can get all sorts of misinformation which can push you real, real far wrong. But all of your GM products, your V8 engines, do still take 5W30, and that is all the way up until 2013 as far as service information from General Motors is specifying. I'd like to tell everybody how much I appreciate them listening to us this morning and every Saturday morning on Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And tell your friends and go to iTunes and give us a rating. We really appreciate that. That's right. Give us a written rating. It always makes our day when we see that. And preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.